industrial marketing friends from Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency. This is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We are your hosts, Aaron and Brendan. And last week on Industrial Marketing Live, we had a great conversation with uh, Shelby Huber and Kelly Obi of Cadena's Part Solutions about organic social media strategy for your company page. And we covered a lot, but we had a lot of lingering questions from the group still. So we brought them back today on the podcast, uh, and we wanted to dig into how smaller marketing teams, like a one-man show, uh, can really execute organic social well with limited resources. And we'll kind of answer some of those questions that uh, we got from the live show that uh, we didn't get to answer there. So with that, uh, Shelby, Kelly, do you want to kind of reintroduce yourselves, kind of remind us uh, about the makeup of your team and what all channels you're running at Cadenas? Yeah, uh, I'm Shelby Huber. Thanks for having us, by the way. Very excited to extend this conversation. We have uh, to. The uh, chat was insane and people want to <laughs> talk about it. organic social. So yeah, we're glad you're here too. So glad that uh, people are jazzed about this because I do think it's important. Um, I'm the content marketing manager at Cadenas Part Solutions. Uh, but Kelly really handles our social. All of our organic social comes from Kelly. Uh, so Kelly, do you want to run through what platforms we use? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Kelly. I'm the social media coordinator here at Cadenas Part Solutions. And our platforms that we mainly post on are LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, and then kind of threads, but that's still an experimental thing. Um, yeah, those all? are the main channels that we post on. Yeah, aren't they all? But threads especially. Threads especially, for sure. Um, so you guys are kind of everywhere, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, we definitely focus on LinkedIn. That's where a lot of our customers are. But we we do have the capacity to be able to uh, spend time on all those platforms. And we do find it beneficial. So it, it's good to, to see what's, what's going on on all the platforms. Yeah, and a lot of our content that's on platforms outside of LinkedIn is um, recycled and kind of sometimes revamped for those platforms. But a lot of those platforms, even if we don't get a lot of traction on them, they're good for interaction. Like we still use it to find new accounts to follow, to comment and like and interact with other posts, things like that. So we don't completely count them out just because we don't get as much traction as LinkedIn, even though LinkedIn's our top priority. Gotcha, gotcha. So obviously you're on a lot of channels um, and you have some more resources at Cadenas than say like a one person marketing team might have. If you only had a couple of hours per week to think about and, and execute organic social, where would you kind of start to make sure you're doing at least something? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. Uh, so I think the biggest question would be to like look internally, right? See what you want to say and who you want to say it to. Hunt down those people, find out where they're at, and then spend your time there. Uh, figure out where you can make that biggest impact. Uh, I think in our case, it would be LinkedIn, right? So we, if we only had a couple hours a week, we would we would spend all that time engaging on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn, 
exploring other pages that like maybe we we there's one that we aspire to be and we would watch them see how they interact uh and and really focus our time and energy where it can make the most difference kelly would you agree with that yeah definitely and i think you don't have to necessarily be on every single channel to make an impact like you have to go where your audience is. That's why we're on LinkedIn. And a lot of our content that we use, we base it off of stuff that we already have. Like we base it off of eBooks that we have. We base it off of um, like our customer stories, things like that. Like all of our customers have a, all of our e-catalog solutions customers have like a configurator. So a lot of times we'll just post a video of that configurator and put it in the eyes of the customer, like look at this great e-catalog that they have on their website and make it like more about them and just not making it like, oh, look at this thing that we provide. Look at this thing that they provide. That's a great point. Uh, if you have like a content marketing strategy, really use that to your advantage. You don't have to have like brand new original content every single day on every single platform. Look at what performs well. Look what you already have existing. How can you use that to your advantage and uh, make the most out of it? Yeah, and um, use your subject magic, subject magic, subject matter experts to the best extent that you can. Use their knowledge and ask them questions, things like that. Yeah, I, I totally see this marriage of content marketing and social media marketing, like just like intertwined, right? Because we all know, like you could post the, the best stuff, you know, the fanciest eBooks, the most in-depth conversation with your subject matter experts on your website, and not a single person is going to see it. Maybe the five people that search for your random long tail keyword, right? People just aren't hanging out on websites anymore. And, and me and Aaron and Peyton and the rest of the IML team has talked about this ad nauseum. Right. But I think what you said is really good about using content in your social media marketing, using that as the fuel there. And we kind of talk about that too. Right. And so things like with the gorilla page that we do is, you know, podcast clips from the manufacturing executive, this podcast, IML articles that we write on the site, you know, things that we're researching and learning as we're doing our jobs as strategists. Um, and all that stuff just gets pulled in. Um, it, so, yeah, totally agree. You don't have to like make, here's your content for your website in a silo. Here's the content for your social media marketing in a silo. No, they should just be one thing. And you just got to see social media as a distribution channel, just like email would be for your content. Yeah. And then if you have the time, it can be more than distribution. But if if you are strapped and, and don't have that capacity, use whatever you got, whatever resources are available to you, make it work. To be clear, for social media, you don't necessarily have to link back to your website for every social media platform. Like a lot of times the algorithms don't like that. We sometimes will link back to our website if it's necessary, if that's like our main goal with the social post. But you don't have to do that. You can just like we usually take bits and pieces out of our press releases, out of our ebooks and just put the quote into the social post like oh that would be good like here's what they have to say versus here's what we have to say yeah i think that's a good point because when you talk about like repurposing your content it's really easy to just like post a link in like one sentence and that's not a lot of people aren't going to click and read that full article but you can get so much more out of an article if you like 
take multiple like snippets from it. Like it could be, I think I did this on my personal LinkedIn. I wrote an article on the gorilla site and I got like two weeks worth of LinkedIn weeks worth of LinkedIn content for myself just by repurposing this one article that I wrote. And sometimes we do just, we do just do the, like the headline and the link. It just all depends on what we're aiming for with that particular post. Um, Like a lot of times on Twitter, we'll just post the headline with the link mostly because character limit on Twitter. Oh, sorry, X. Oh yeah. The other thing that I think uh, our team does, but we need to do a little bit more of even is social media content lives for like a second, right? And if it doesn't perform to like your expectations or where you want it, post it again. Yeah. Uh, If it only got a hundred impressions, there is no harm in, in using that content to use it again. That is useful information. There's a reason you posted it in the first place. And, and then if it doesn't do well, well, then they're, you know, trust the data in that point. But yeah, but uh, to jump on that show, I th- I go back and find the good posts too, right? The ones exactly. that got a thousand impressions and a ton of likes. Yeah, let's like people like that one. Let's just do that one again. Yeah, maybe revamp, maybe revamp it a little bit, but for the most part, like yeah, just take what you already did and, and post it again. Right. And HubSpot is usually good for that. Like if I'm looking for something that we posted a long time ago, it lets you search by um, like whatever word you used in the post. LinkedIn is a little bit weird. Um, Usually after, I think, a year, like literally a year to the day, it won't let you see the post most of the time anymore, which is has been a challenge for us. But we usually try to archive at least some of the drafts of that original post. Okay. Mm. Aaron, when you were at Harpac, did you have any social media responsibilities? And were you the only marketing person? No, I actually had a team probably similar to the size of um, okay. that they have at Cadenas, and I wasn't typically in charge of it. It it wasn't a, a big focus back when I was an in-house marketer. Um, but if I were an in-house marketer again, I think it's something I would give more attention. Yeah, yeah. When I was at when I was at Graco, I was in-house there for two years and then four years in another company, and never really like I kind of started digging into it at Graco, but it's like one of those things, right? Like I was the only real like marketing like out person like we had a couple of product managers but they were managing product and so i was the only one that was doing content and trade shows and um you know social media and it just gets to be a lot right and so i think those points of just focus on one channel really understand your customers dedicate specific time to doing that and let it just be like an arm of your content strategy are all things that i think could really help um because i do think it's important especially if you're running ads like we talked about an iml right like we just want to like have some sort of presence out there that people can connect with and uh, have a place where you have a, a quote unquote free place where you can distribute content where your audience is hanging out. Yeah. It gets really tough when uh, that you don't have time for that interaction. Right. Yeah. Cause I do think that that is uh, a huge benefit that we see is actually talking to customers, responding to comments, commenting on other pages too. Um, but that is a much tougher thing to, to carve out time for, but I do see the value in it. Yeah. So if you have time, do it. If not, it's an okay thing to, to pass up. Yeah. Social media can turn into like a whole monster if you mm-hmm. let it. So a lot of our job is just trying to scale back and just trying to do what we can do yeah. and remind ourselves that we're only one fairly small team. Like we're not some big 
some huge like conglomerate marketing yeah. machine like we're human yeah totally um we kind of talked about this on the IML episode with you guys, but I like to, you know, just to think about this, you know, one or two person marketing team again, Kelly, just, can you just kind of walk us through your process to get a post live and maybe like what that looks like in a week for you? And like, we don't talk about all the extra shit. Like, let's just like, if you're just focusing on LinkedIn, like what would that process look like for you? Yeah. So at the beginning of each month, I usually have a list of things that I need to post on LinkedIn, either once a week, once a month, that sort of thing. Um, like what kind of things would be? Like, uh, for example, when we had the 22 tips ebook, I think we were posting about that every other week. Okay. Or, and then if we have certain blogs that we have posted, I just usually make a note that we have to post about that at some point, Got or it. if there's like a holiday coming up and we want to have relevant content for that. So just kind of like a bare bones, like skeleton mm-hmm. of, okay, this is what we're going to post on LinkedIn this week. And if it needs to get pushed back, it can easily get pushed back. Sure. That's why I like Asana, like I don't schedule everything like five months in advance because you kind of have to be a little bit more flexible than that. And then once I go in and say, okay, we need to post this on this day, depending on what the type of content is, if it's like borrowing from um, like borrowing from an ebook or something like that, I'll look for a good piece of information and then think, oh, that would be good for a social post. And then depending on what, if we want to do it as like a quote, like a graphic or a, of a quote or a meme or a video, um, we'll just kind of go from there. Most of the time, that's how we do it. And then usually I draft it in a sauna. And if it's like something really important, or maybe it's something a little bit more experimental, I'll bounce it off of uh, Shelby and or Adam. And we'll try to go back and forth and see what works best. And then we'll schedule it. And then, of course, we follow up after the post, yep. see how it's doing. Kelly reports back to us and says, oh, this one bombed or this one did great. So we're going to share it on another platform. And uh, we let that inform some of our content decisions, too. Yeah, there was um, a good quote from and I can't remember what podcast he was on. Mark Rober, the like engineering YouTuber that's on Jimmy Kimmel a lot. He was talking about his content strategy and he thinks of it like playing Super Mario Brothers. Like if you go through and you fall off a cliff or you die or whatever, you don't just put the controller down and then walk away. You say, okay, what went wrong there? What do I need to look out for next time? What if I do it like this? What if I do it like that? And then once you kind of get more experience and more confidence, you can even say, well, what's up here? What if I do this? What if I do that? Mm-hmm. Like you don't just set it, the controller down and walk away. You keep running through and keep trying and keep experimenting. Yeah. You got to find the mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marketing's all about. That's right. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Um, Brendan, do you have any other questions for them about kind of like the small marketing teams? Yeah. Or- yeah. Kelly, how many times are you posting on LinkedIn per day or per week? Um, I think right now our goal is usually uh, Monday through Thursday. Okay. Like I said, that kind of is very flexible. It gets moved yeah. around. And right now with the Industrial Marketing Summit, a lot of times we'll post more than once a day because okay. we have one piece of like our standard content that needs to go out and then like an industrial marketing summit piece that needs to go out. But that's our, our general rule is Monday through Thursday, but it's pretty flexible. 
for a small team, what do you think the minimum number is to like have an effect on social media? Um, I think it depends. A lot of people will have, everybody's going to have a different answer as far as like the algorithm. And I mean, yeah. I could give an answer right now and it could change tomorrow, totally. but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have a straightforward answer for that one. It just depends on your capacity and what you can do. I mean, obviously don't post once every six to eight months, but like TikTok, I think the recommendation is to post like twice a day and we just don't have the capacity or the time and it's not a priority. So we usually aim for once a week. It's it's tough with a lot of those kind of things, right? Because, oh yeah, let's look at how many times I post on TikTok, but it's like, yeah, that's for like an influencer that's dancing or like doing these yeah. like random cooking videos, right? Like not for like, we're trying to do a little more involved stuff, right? And it takes a little bit more of effort. So it's hard to take some of those, you know, social media best practices because it seems like a lot of times it is for an influencer type person. And it's not for a company or a business that's that's trying to do this. Yeah, that's so. part of the problem is a lot of these recommendations are more for like business to consumer or for like agencies or people with big teams. Yeah. So you kind of have to take what they say with a bit of a grain of salt. I think it's important to look at your goal too. If you want to, like if you're running paid ads and, and you want to like drive or like boost that with some organic posts, I think you need to post a little bit more frequently, like two or three times a week. Yeah. However, if you're just trying to like keep your page alive and, and like stay above water, like once a week is fine. Or or maybe even once every other week, depending on your platform and your audience. Um, it, You just want your page to not be a wasteland. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but it would make sense. The algorithm, if you don't post very often, then all of a sudden you come back and post. It doesn't necessarily like that. So if you like wait, like post once a year or you wait a year to post then you're not going to see as much traction and growth it's about being consistent especially not just for the algorithm but for your audience yeah. your audience wants to know when they can expect content in a way totally. yeah and i think like the the job's a little tougher from the company page it seems like especially on linkedin i'm and like facebook for sure um it, the it's it seems like the algorithm is more geared towards people's profiles right the profiles of the four 100%. of us individually not gorilla not cadenas right it's it's the individual pages right so you you have a little bit bigger of a barrier to get over uh so that's where i you know what you said last week on iml uh just the consistency and just like finding a time whether that, yeah is it a couple times a week is it once a week is it every other week but just be consistent so the algorithm knows so your audience knows and you know like we talked about too like you can't expect to just do a post and then get a customer right away. Like you guys posted on TikTok for a long time before you had any like real results there. Um, and same thing with LinkedIn, right? Like <clears throat> we're seeing really good results from Gorilla on our organic, but we've been doing it for a couple of years. And Joe's been doing this podcast for a couple of years. And so like it, it takes some time for you to get some momentum with your audience and and then catch them, you know, in the buying phase too, right? Because I think, you know, we both kind of fall into like, we're not trying to just do promotions all the time, right? It's just, we're going to put good content out and we're going to wait for customers to come to us when they are ready to buy, uh, to make our selling process easier. And, but to do that, like you have to kind of just be in the feed a lot and have people, you know, think of you as top of mind. We don't want someone like for gorilla be like, oh man, we've been seeing gorilla posts a lot. And then we stop for a while and they go, oh man, yeah, I do need a marketing agency. And then they go to Google and type in a marketing agency. Like that's not what we want. Like we want them to just come to Gorilla because we have already built trust and we've already demonstrated that we are experts at marketing and industrial companies. 
And, you know, I'm sure it's the same way for you guys. Um, but if we were to just kind of fall off a cliff and not post anything for a while, our ability to maintain that brand recognition would be vastly diminished. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people think of social media at like a fixed point within that buyer's journey or within the funnel. But but really, it's it's that constant touch point all throughout the buyer's journey. Exactly. Um, what is the buyer's journey? It's different for every single person. And exactly. like, yeah, yeah it's like like all this like, oh, here I got my Shelby, you can probably talk about this too, right? Like, oh, man, I got all my cool top of funnel content. And now I got my, my bottom of funnel content. And here's my side content. And it's like, well, th- people kind of just kind of go wherever, right? Yeah, um, you can plan and, so and plan like, and plan, but it's yeah. not going to work that way. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. total customer content. Like that's all. That's like kind of how you have to think about this, right? And so you just kind of just got to be out there and post some good stuff frequently and consistently. And, exactly. you know, over time, the, the results will compound on each other. So, And I think that's a good point too. what you said, um, what we were talking about before with the algorithm is that a lot of social media, a good chunk of it, at least, is just luck. Like sometimes totally. the algorithm will just not be nice to you and it's a good piece of content and nobody will see it. Like we've been have actually been struggling with TikTok lately. And we noticed our views took a huge nosedive and we started experimenting, figuring out what was going on, why this was happening, because we hadn't really changed our content much. So we tried changing Mm. it. We tried reposting the same thing, seeing if it would do Mm. as well. And it didn't. And so we did some research on like Reddit and things like that. And a lot of people were also having the same problem. And it seems it's seemingly because TikTok has changed their algorithm to prioritize more of their TikTok shop content and more of their paid content, things like that. So that's a good lesson. Yeah, they for sure been doing that. TikTok's been mega annoying recently. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's been a struggle for us. And it's a struggle on every platform. Sometimes that's a good lesson is sometimes it's just luck. It's just the algorithm and there's nothing you can do about it. Just try to post it again, maybe in a few months. Aaron, I think we have a lot of questions we need to get to from the last time episode and we don't want to leave people hanging. So I'll hit the first one here. So Brian asked a good question here. So when marketers are not the product experts, what are some strategies to become the expert or still post well-informed content? Mm, that's a very good question. So Kelly and I are not engineers, but a lot of times we're talking to engineers yeah, um, or manufacturers, whatever. Uh, we spend a ton of time talking to customers, talking to our tech team. Uh, one of my favorite things about my role is that I get to meet with multiple clients every single week, we sit down for at least an hour before we ever make content about a client. So we we understand the project, the, the process, and then we just have the client talk about themselves, right? We say, in your own words, tell us what you do. In your own words, tell us what your goal is with these customers. And, and that makes a huge difference. Um, not only do we learn, but then our content learns and we can then, uh, you know, communicate that with the rest of our audience. And I, I think uh, it makes a huge difference to actually talk to your customers. And if it's like a particularly good customer story, we'll turn it into like a full case yeah. study. But a lot of times I'll look through the case studies and those we usually after we interview a customer, we'll post about it. Um and we'll, I'll start to see a pattern of people kind of saying the same things over and over. Like when we get a new customer, we'll interview them at some point and we'll 
learn what those pain points were and what drew them to us and that sort of thing. And that is definitely a catalyst for a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say from my perspective here, uh, when I was in house, like, yeah, you just get like, you have to talk to engineers. You can't just be the marketer sitting in the marketing seat and then never leave your desk. It's probably a little like for some of you working remote, that's probably a little more challenging, but you have to make a concerted effort to go and network and talk with your engineers. Um, I would maybe recommend setting up a recurring meeting, maybe every other week or monthly with an engineer, just to have something on the calendar because time gets busy, right? But go in there, take your phone or whatever, record your conversation, have a topic in mind and just talk to them about that. Now you have something that you can write a piece on, right? So you can do an article, you can do a blog or maybe make a video out of it. And then from that piece, so that that piece now is well-informed by that subject matter expert because it's only their words basically. Then you use that piece as your foundation piece for writing your marketing, your, your social media posts, right? Just like Kelly, you were saying, like, what, you know, look at the eBooks and the white papers, Just do the same thing. But I think like having some sort of like recurring thing that you talk to engineers all the time and get their input, you know, you guys are talking to your customers, but there's a lot of marketers that just need to talk to their, you know, manufacturing or mechanical or product engineers, just be in conversations with them. Uh, try to talk to customers as much as you can. Um, and then I would just say like, for me, I was also never an engineer, always just been a marketing on the business side. Um, go to Reddit and be on like our manufacturing and our engineering and some of these other like, you know, industrial engineering There's and electrical an engineering. Our engineering. like learn the language. Yeah. That's Reddit, also Reddit engineering memes. Yeah. So great about interacting with other social media pages is you, you can connect and find new voices, uh, yeah. new little tips from uh, people really in it. Sometimes those Reddit engineering ones, like I think there's Reddit engineering, Reddit engineering memes, that sort of thing. Um, sometimes if you're not a technical minded person or an engineer, those can be tricky because it's a lot of like inside yeah. jokes, like industry jokes that I just don't understand. But sometimes I do see like a reoccurring theme or it goes back and forth with our like technical team and our customers, that sort of thing. Like they'll tell us like, We'll send them a piece of content and they'll say, this is more like this. This doesn't make sense. This mm -hmm. needs to be, this isn't technically correct, that sort yeah. of thing. And then when they, sometimes they'll write stuff and send it over to us and we'll say like, this, this isn't clear or yeah. we need to clean this up or you need to yeah. make this sound a little bit more exciting, <laughs> yeah. which is part of our job is making yeah. things that are seemingly totally. boring sound exciting. Yeah. But yeah, so I think theme here for Brian, just talk to your subject matter experts, whether that be engineering or manufacturing people or whoever is on the staff that is like in charge of the product and building stuff for your company to your customers. Just be talking to that person and just learn the language and just be comfortable asking them questions. Mm -hmm. And also talk to your customers too, like yeah. Shelby mentioned. Um, and Katie had a great question about that because you talked about how you post a lot of customer stories on social. Mm -hmm. And she was asking, um, do you have to incentivize your customers for their stories? Or like, how do you get them so engaged in doing that? Yeah, so it, it varies customer to customer, of course. But a lot of times I'll reach out somewhere in the project timeline and I'll be like, you know what? We have a lot of best practices that we've seen from our past experience. Uh, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about what could work best for your guys's website and and how we could help promote it and really be there to help right don't try to sell them on anything if they're like no we don't need your help that's fine you can check back in later and uh maybe they'll realize they could use it uh but talk to them as though 
uh, you're promoting them, not yourself. And I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Just promise you won't take up too much of their time because they're very busy and promise it's not a sales pitch, especially with like the, the new customers are almost always like very happy to talk about their experience and their company because it's about them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with the bigger companies, um, it's a little bit more red tape, that sort of thing. So just be careful. Don't post any customer stories without their permission, that sort of thing, because it could get you into the weeds. Stay out of the weeds. Yes. Okay. Uh, Salim mentioned in the chat that getting approval on content from internal stakeholders can really stall an organic strategy. So how much approval do you seek at Cadena's part solutions? And then what do you think is a good balance here, right? Like we probably can't just like post whatever we want without approval, but we also don't want 10 layers of approval. So like, how have you guys struck that balance to make sure you can respond quickly to trends in the marketplace, get things out fast and just not get bogged down in that, in that red tape internally? Yeah, I think it's, that's one of the nice things about being on a smaller team is that I can just get approval from like one or two people usually and then just send it right out. But if you're on like a bigger team, I think it's important to emphasize the importance of staying on top of trends and not being late to it because we've all seen the companies that are like a few days, just even a few days late to the trend, even if they do have a good piece of content for it and it's a little bit cringy and sometimes that's going to happen yeah just unintentionally sometimes things happen and you're going to end up looking kind of cringy but again the same thing just try to experiment and try to go back and look at what went wrong but yeah for my personal experience with like being on a smaller team i just send the content to adam or shelby and we kind mm-hmm. of go back and forth and have a discussion about it if it's something that's a little bit more experimental or something more important sure. Yeah, Yeah, we've all seen companies that like hopping on the trend like a quarter late and it tends to be like really big like consumer brands, right? Because they're just huge marketing departments uh, and it looks, it's so cringy. So I think that's where like some of us in these, in in, you know, smaller companies have a lot of advantage to move, like nothing moves fast in manufacturing, but I think your marketing can uh, if you're, you know, on top of it and you can really get ahead of the competition fast because a lot of other market manufacturing companies don't want to. So you can kind of set yourself apart um, by jumping on things and getting things out quick and being consistent, all the stuff we talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. To be clear, there are going to be times when sometimes you just, you jump on a trend too fast. We've seen it happen with a lot of companies and something has a typo or something looks unintentionally problematic. That's why, that's why these companies have these, rigorous review processes because things like that happen. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's more of like a risk versus reward. You kind of look at that balance and you're going to have moments where you make mistakes and things get posted. But I mean, social media is very temporary. And then as long as you do like your due diligence and go through like a little checklist and especially if it's like more of an experimental going back and forth with other voices on your team, then those moments are few and far in between. Um, Another thing you mentioned as being really important is the interacting from the company page. And Chris had a question about that. He said, is there any participation from internal sales or technical experts that help drive social engagement? Um, I think sometimes on their personal pages, they'll reply and post their own things. We have a few sales and like tech people that will do that. Um, 
if I have, if somebody asks a specific like technical question on our page, sometimes I'll just, I'll just go and ask them and then I'll just type in their response into the reply. So, so to be clear, Kelly, so you're the one that's like on the platform though, doing all that interaction. Like there's no other salesperson or technical person that's also has access no. that's doing that. No, sometimes it'll just be like literally just what they typed, but I'm the one looking at it and replying to it. Got it. Okay. Which can be good for later posts because sometimes people are like, what is this? I don't understand what, mm -hmm. how does this work? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we'll look out for that in future posts. Yeah, it's also beneficial if you can make it easy for your tech and sales teams to interact with your content too. So yeah. keep your team apprised of what's going on there. Make sure that they like send them links to your posts. Be like, hey, I think this could be really interesting for you and, and your network. Um, and and we, we've had people internally share our posts and uh, create good conversations on their own personal pages too. So it's, it's always good to keep that communication internally open. So. Okay. Um, we do want to talk about some results and attribution. We had a couple of questions from there. So Brittany asked, do you look at full funnel attribution? So she said, I've noticed with us and some of my clients that it's not necessarily last click all of the time. Sure. Uh, yeah, we really look at where people come to us, what pages on our website are important, organic social and whatnot. But the line is always so curved. It's yeah. so jagged, different for every person. Um, what we see the most like uh, actual conversions on would be our long form content. So not necessarily uh, dealing with organic social, but a lot of times there are people that have followed us for a long time. And then when we post an ebook or a case study, they see that we get their email. We see that they've already been following us. Um, and then we have like our account-based marketing team follow up with them. So a lot of our acquisitions come from long form content, but it's very good to nurture them through social. I think from what we've seen here at Gorilla is... You know, not a lot of clicks happen from social media, whether that be paid or organic, to the website, to, you know, form fill. Uh, it's pretty rare that that happens. But you can kind of see, you know, once you start posting consistently on LinkedIn or whatever platform you're on, or you start doing, you know, paid media on, on social media, you'll start to see your organic and direct traffic increase. And then you'll see the attribution to your organic and direct traffic increase as well right so you'll see a lot more form fills from organic and that didn't just happen right it's like a lot of time it very much falls in line with you know maybe a month or two after you start posting after you start getting traction uh it just seems like yeah like we talked about people aren't clicking away from the social media platforms very often but they do if you have good content they do remember and they will search for your right? they'll probably search for kadena's part solutions and go to google and then click on the link to go to the home page it's like well yeah, may, maybe they're searching for that, but like they had to be pulled from somewhere and you can usually tell or like, you know, if you guys just like had a, a test and just stopped posting for two months, you'd probably see your traffic dip and you'd probably see your conversions dip. Like It all works together. Uh, Brittany, attribution is incredibly messy. Um, I don't care what company says that they can track everything. They can't even like, you know, we see with, you know, the how did you hear about us fields on on the form, right? Like we all just want to be like, oh, yeah, saw you on LinkedIn. And it's like we all like, yeah, we got one. But, you know, a lot of engineers and a lot of technical people, buyers, they'll just I saw you on the Internet 
Well, yeah, I guess LinkedIn's the internet. So yeah, you're right. So thanks for not lying to me, but thanks for all the <laughs> really tend to great take things. Technical minded people, I love them, but they tend to take things very literally at yeah. times. Yeah. And that's kind of where the back and forth goes. Yeah. I, I had one person in that field just put NA. <laughs> I was like, oh, nice. I never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the attribution piece is messy, but Brittany, I, I think you can see like once you start posting, you're going to start seeing that organic and direct traffic coming up because people are recognizing the brand and they're just going and searching directly for your company is what we, we see a lot is like your branded searches start going up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about how you operate as a consumer. Totally. You don't just like pop onto a website and decide like, this is how I'm going to proceed today. There's, there's research that goes into it. And uh, that nurture is important. Especially with like more industrial manufacturing companies, that sort of thing. A lot of it is more expensive and it'll take the timeline is a lot longer because it's not like a pair of shoes that you're just going to buy on a whim it's a giant machine or whatever it's it's not gonna they're not gonna buy right away right they have to go through a lot of levels i think there was a picture on linkedin or something somewhere where it showed two different graphs and the one was just saying like what we think the customer journey is. And it was just like a straight line. And then the other one was what it actually is. And it was just a rat's nest of lines all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's why that that goes to the point we made earlier. So it was like, right. There's like no top bottom and middle funnel content. It's just content. And it needs to like, you know, hit all the pain points and the questions that the customer has, but don't think like it's going to be this really nice journey from my top of funnel content and my top of funnel marketing post. Like, yeah, you're not going to like, here's my top of funnel post on Monday. I'm going to do my middle of funnel post on Wednesday. And by Friday, that person's going to be ready to buy with my bottle of funnel CTA. Like that does yeah, not ever be happen. nice though. If it were, it yeah. would be so nice for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's good to hit every part, but yeah, it's not all cut in stone like that, but it, it is good to keep in mind, like, well, this person that's seeing this piece of content that's kind of about reservations they may have, they may not even be there yet. They yeah. might not even know what our product is. So having content that talks about what the product is or maybe what reservations people have about it, that sort of thing. And then even case studies with the success story. Yeah, yeah Kelly, that reminds me of uh, the percentages that you talked about last episode on IML. I think that just really like kind of speaks to that, right? Like I can't remember what the percentages are. I'll ask you to share that in one second, but it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you should have a percentage of like, you know, informed and educational entertaining, but then maybe you should also like, here's my percentage of things for each part of the quote unquote funnel. Right. So you can always kind of like be in that mix and and talking to people wherever they are in their stage. Right. So, okay. So Kelly, so what was that percentage that you talked about last week? Yeah, it was 50, 30, 20, 50% engaged, 30% informed, 20% promote. And that's just a general rule. You yeah. don't have to say like, well, we have 49.9% engaged, so we need to post. Like, yeah. It's just good to keep in mind. I usually go, sometimes I go week by week, sometimes I go month by month and say like, well, we seem to be posting a lot of fun content. We haven't posted a lot of informative content yet or okay, this week we have too many promotional posts. We need to spread them out a little bit more. And a lot of times those posts will overlap. Like it'll engage with people and have a fun post, but it'll also inform at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's just a good rule of thumb to have to try to keep that balance. I think the next percentage theory we need to work on is, yeah, what part of the funnel content are you posting along with? So it's gotta be like some sort of weird like table Maybe we'll talk about that next year. Yeah. 
Kelly, <laughs> Kelly will uh, come up with some sort of yeah social media math for us. Oh yeah. <laughs> If you um, Google 50, 30, 20 social media, it'll come up. Um, everyone's got a different, like, what 50, 30, 20 means, but it, it's all basically the same thing. They just use different words. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so the last, like, kinds of questions we got from the audience are people are really curious about what you all are doing on TikTok. So, like, Brian and Sharifa both asked, what kind of content are you posting on TikTok? What works well for you there? Yeah, TikTok is definitely more of our sandbox, things that either we're not sure if it'll work or if it's something that's definitely more direct-to-consumer type content, we'll just post it on TikTok. But I think we started off posting a lot of like our customer stories and I think interviews that we had done before with like subject matter experts and I think we still post those occasionally, but it, it really just turned into like our experimental mm. platform, that sort of thing. Like we post a lot of our, we have like a built to last video series where we go through customers, manufacturing facilities, and we'll take content from that and just show like, this is how a motor is made with XYZ company, that sort of thing. And then also just a lot of times if you just tell people on there that you're experimenting, they're at least seemingly cool with it. Like, I think we did something where we did like a chat GPT, like voice, like write us, we told it to write a story about like a customer that, or a manufacturer that uses e-catalog solutions and Canadas part solutions to um, boost their manufacturing leads and we just had AI write it and do it in like a funny voice. So it's just like silly stuff like that, kind of spoonful of sugar sort of thing. And then we mess with the AI filter sometimes. Yeah, it's really a place to kind of play. I think our most popular video, though, is is not necessarily fun. It's 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 about Industry 4.0 and it's quite informative. Mm. So it. It is a weird mix of content. Um, so yeah, Industry 4.0 is really popular. But then we also have one where it's like Cardi B making a bunch of silly noises to pump. That one was it. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. So That one just came from me. Like, I think it was one of my favorite videos ever on the internet is somebody put Cardi B sounds over Star Wars. And I think... <laughs> I think I was like scrolling through TikTok and I saw somebody that we follow put like the funny voice filter over a 3D printer and I tried to do it, but with like one of our videos and it didn't really work. And I was like, well, what if we took our already videos that we have and just put these sounds over it? Yeah. And then, yeah, like we have like the industry 4.0 video. That one was like a sleeper. That one is still like week after week, our most viewed video, I think. Um, and it was just audio of um, one of our, somebody on our marketing team talking about Industry 4.0. And then we just put text and like stock mm -hmm. images with it. And I think it must have triggered something with like SEO on TikTok because people still are watching it over and over. I think when they search maybe Industry 4.0, it must oh, pop sure. up. A lot of these, like if you just Google something, the social media posts will come up. I think the other one we did was... Um, BIM objects, which is like a, a CAD model, but for more like architecture, architecture, that sort of thing. So that was just 
the voice to text thing and then just an example of it, like spinning around that sort of thing. And that was another one that consistently keeps doing well. It was a sleeper. Nice. Yeah. So it's like a mix of, of fun experimental stuff and also informative information. Um, we've posted videos of some of our customers machinery and then they really, they think that's funny. We had one where it was like sneezing on bread, but it's really their spraying solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the customers then get excited because then yeah. they're shared on TikTok and maybe they're not allowed to be on TikTok. So, uh, and TikTok's always changing. Who knows yeah. how things are going to do, but it is a good place to play. Yeah. Did you bring that, did you bring that Cardi B video over to LinkedIn at all? Yes, I think we did a couple weeks ago. It did. I think it did well, not as well as it would have on like the YouTube on YouTube and like Instagram. But for LinkedIn, it did surprisingly well. You think of LinkedIn as more of like a serious platform, but a lot of people, people are humans and they like to look at stuff that's funny. Yep. Mm. Um, I think that's all the questions we had for both of you left over from IML. Before we get out of here, do you have any parting thoughts on organic social media from the company page? I would say just, uh, first of all, it's so important to spend time doing organic social. Find time, even if it's just a little bit once a week, whatever, find time to do it. It's worth it. You'll find value because it, like we said, it can deliver your content. It can host original content and it can inform content. Yeah. Even if it's not for a social media strategy, use it for your content strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think patience is key. I think a lot of people th- with social media expect to get results right away or they're afraid to kind of take risks and experiment. And I think you just have to balance that risk versus reward. Like there are going to be times when you post the wrong thing, but it's about doing your proper customer research and just research in general. Don't just hop on a hashtag right away without looking into it. And then a lot of times, especially if you're in a bigger company, you have to really push for this type of content and social media content. Like a lot of the ideas that we've had, I had to fight for. Like with TikTok, I really had to keep asking, can we please do this? Can we please do this? Can we please do this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Until Adam got sick of me. (laughs) And then we did it and it was great. So yeah. Yeah. Wear management down. That's the key here yep. for marketing. Great yeah. advice. That's my strength, uh, being annoying until <laughs> I get what I want. <laughs> uh, well, you were not annoying today, Kelly. You were very insightful. We appreciate both of you coming on and hanging out with us. Um, where can people connect with you guys? Find us on all those channels Kelly listed at the at the beginning of this podcast at Kadena's Part Solutions and partsolutions.com. Yeah, I think um, on that Google Doc that I posted in Slack, they have sometimes we have part solutions USA listed as our our page. Um, but on LinkedIn it's just Kadena's part solutions. If you type in just Kadena's, it'll come up with our international office, which okay. they're great. But if you want the US office, Kadena's part solutions. Okay. And then you guys both have your own individual profiles on LinkedIn, assuming people want to connect with you. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Shelby yeah, right. Kelly Obi. Nice. All <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can work. I'm trying to figure out how to do uh HTML linking in the podcast description. Not very good at that. I'll see if I can figure it out for this one to link you guys uh, on the description so people could just easily click. Um, oh, cool. Well, Aaron, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. And maybe since we have, uh, you know, Kadidas Part Solutions with us, do you two want to talk about the Industrial Marketing Summit? 
Oh, I would love to talk about the industrial. I thought you would. (laughs) So uh, we are hosting along with Gorilla 76 and another agency called True Marketing, uh, the Industrial Marketing Summit at the end of January, early February of 2024. It's in Austin, Texas. We're going to have all these awesome speakers there going to be really sharing uh, what works, what what challenges we have as industrial marketers. You know, B2B marketing is so different and then industrial marketing is even more niche. Uh, so we're all going to come together, share our ideas and uh, get smarter, be better marketers because of it. Yep. I feel like a lot of um, marketing conferences, B2B kind of gets left behind a little bit as an afterthought and then industrial marketing is completely out of out of the loop so this is very specific very niche um for a lot of those teams that are one person marketing teams that sort of thing and i think as of this recording we're 100 days away so if you're listening to this on the actual podcast less than 100 days <laughs> dang that's coming up uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was three days, right? So January 31st to February 2nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, welcome think, dinner. Second day is all speakers. And the third day is uh, half day, uh, half day of workshops, right? Is that right? Yeah. Right. January 31st, I think, is like the welcome, pre, welcome dinner, yeah. pre-summit thing. And then the actual summit yeah. is February 1st. And it's I not think. just going to be marketing stuff. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be having fun, you know, so, socializing, hanging out, drinking beers, doing all that stuff. So it's, it's going to be a really good time. Uh, and then industrialmarketingsummit.com is where you can go to get more information and to register for your ticket, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then, you know, you two were with us last week on Industrial Marketing Live. We love Industrial Marketing Live here. Um, it's just a great place for all of us to get together. We have some cool um, conversations coming up for the rest of the year, and we're starting to plan out Q1. Uh, so those happen on the first and third Thursdays of every month at 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, go to industrialmarketinglive.com to register for that. Uh, recordings also go live here on the podcast. You know, if you're listening to the podcast, you've probably seen the recordings from the from the IML. And then it's on YouTube too, if you want to see uh, all of our faces. Um, and then finally, we have the Industrial Marketing Live Slack. Uh, we have a large Slack community. What what do we have now, Aaron? Like 250 people in there? Uh, oh, yeah. A ton of marketers. Um, Kelly's and Shelby are in there. We just have a good time. People talk about the problems that they're having at work, you know, maybe getting questions answered, showing off things that they're doing and just having fun too. Uh, it's a good group of people. Uh, so if you want access to that, uh, DM me or Aaron on LinkedIn or send us a, an email at industrialmarketinglive at gmail.com. At, no, at gorilla76.com. And we will get you in the Slack. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Catch you later.